Well, thank you very much for being here. I've never had 12 pages of notes before in my life, and so hang on. We're going for a ride, and we're going to go fast. So tonight I'm going to talk about uh, prayer, healing, and restoration, how to pray for healing and restoration. This is the 40 days of prayer, and if you have one of the books, hopefully you're going through that and, and going through the 40 days. This is part six, and... Um, the scripture tonight is 2 Chronicles 7.14 that I'm going to be studying from. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Tonight I want to just kind of go over that scripture. It's been always, always been one of my favorite scriptures uh, because it, it does give us some promises. It does have conditions. We'll talk about those in a few minutes. Uh, and maybe you've prayed, you know, this scripture that God would just touch our country and it would heal it. Uh, maybe you've prayed for somebody else for healing. And tonight, that's what I'm, I want to talk about is healing. And I, I'm up at the hospital all the time. I've been up the hospital twice today. Uh, early this morning, somebody had surgery. And, and uh, then on, on my way here tonight, uh, went and saw somebody else. Pray for people all the time. And we want to be healed. We want to pray for people to be healed. And uh, so tonight we're going to talk about those things. It seems that uh, when we get uh, prayer requests in, a lot of them are for healing. A lot of them are for healing. And, you know, if you ever kind of think about that, if you go kind of around the room, if we would say, okay, let's go around the room, just share a prayer request, you, a good chance that healing is going to come up. You know Why? Because we don't want to say, pray for me, I've, really, I've got an addiction, or I'm really struggling in this area, or I did this, or, you know. No, healing is good. It's kind of like, I can throw that out there and not go too deep, and sometimes God wants us to go deep. And we'll talk about that also tonight that you can share with others. If we are tro totally transparent and we ask others to pray for us and those things that are sometimes are heavy, then God will see those things, not just to pray for healing, though there are so many times that we need healing. And when we are set free and we're delivered and made whole of those deep things, you're truly going to be healed. You're truly going to be healed. Tonight, be open to yourself and to God and see what he really wants for you and what you need to be healed of and, or maybe what you need to be restored to. About 3,000 years ago, God made the promise to King Solomon, and that promise still stands today. It's a scripture that we read, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, one of the very most important and well-known promises in the entire Bible. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. We should, heal, we should circle that word heal. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Tonight, I want us to look at that. We're going to break this verse apart, and we're going to look at some things. It might get a little personal, so hang on. Uh, I've already had to go through this message a few times and work on some things myself. Uh, but we can see that there's conditions in the Bible, and in this Scripture, there's conditions. You know what a condition is? If I do this, then you'll do that. Uh, sometimes you, you do it with a contract. Um, sign a contract that if I buy a car, I sign a contract that I'm going to pay them every month and I get to keep this car. If I don't fulfill my part of that, then guess what? They have a right to come and take that car. 
That's just the way to con it's a condition, you know. And uh, so there's conditions in the, in the Old Testament. We can see that there was conditions on things that God put on things. He gave, gave them the commandments that if you follow these commandments, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. In the New Testament, we can also see that, you know, Jesus said when he was praying for people and healing them, you know, when he put the mud in the guy's eye, he goes, now go wash in the pool. There was a condition. If the guy said, I'm not going and washing in the pool, do you think he would have been healed? No. He just would have had mud in his eye, you know. Hence, here's the mud in your eye. Or, you know, when they came up with the leprosy, and what did he tell them? He said, go and show yourself to the priest. There was, some, there was a condition there, but he was also uh, fulfilling the Old Testament uh, scripture. And right now, that's, I'm reading that right now in Leviticus um, as I'm going through the Bible and reading it. And, you know, if you have this, you know, uh, man, if you, if you had leprosy, stay away from me. That was some bad stuff. You had to go show yourself to the priest, and if he said, well, we're not sure about it, then you had to go and put yourself away for, you know, seven days and come back to yourself, and, and still wasn't sure, then you had to go away for another seven days. If he thought it was okay, then you're okay, but you had to go and clean yourself. You had to shave. You had to do all these different things, and if you did have leprosy, then you had to, you know, wear certain clothes, had to do this. He had to walk around and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. Wouldn't you like to do that? No, thank you. So throughout the Bible, we can see that there's healings that have taken place in people who needed to be healed. There was conditions to some of those that we can also see. The second thing that I want you to notice, if my people who are called by my name, have you ever been embarrassed to be called a Christian? Have you ever been with other people and they say, oh, those Christians, and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't open my mouth right now. We shouldn't be ashamed to be called a Christian and to be a part of Christ. We are his children. I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Christ. If my people who are called what? By my name, by his name, by Jesus Christ. We are followers. Everyone else that doesn't follow Christ, they're standing up for what they believe. Am I correct in that? The LGBTQ, MAZ, those people? Oh, man. Those who are Democrats? Oh, man. Those who are Republicans? Woo! We want our views expressed. So why shouldn't we as Christians stand up for what we believe? Is the truth. Am I correct in that? The thing is, we have the truth. They're just spouting their opinions or what they believe to be the truth. And so as a Christian, we need to be bold in that, and we need to understand, if my people who are called by my name. He says um, in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, if anyone, Jesus is talking, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in, in this unfaithful and immoral generation, I will be ashamed of him when I return in glory with all my angels. That was Jesus saying it. We shouldn't be ashamed of him. We shouldn't be ashamed of him. And we should stand up. There's times, you know, I, every once in a while I think about it, and I think, okay, if, if somebody came and put a gun to my head and said, you deny Jesus Christ, or I'll shoot. 
you know, what would you do? Listen, pull the trigger. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> you guys don't want to go to heaven? Maybe I need to change the message tonight. Come on. I've thought about this long and hard. I do a lot of funerals. Why do they get to go before I do? Come on. I want to go to heaven. Maybe you don't. Maybe there's something still here on earth that is better than heaven. I think all of you believe that. I've changed my message right now. You're thinking about that, aren't you? That boy's weird. You know what? You want to know the truth? This is this should be normal. There is not. I mean, I love my wife, my kids. I don't want to leave them, but I'd rather be with God. I would rather be with, and be in His presence than be down here on Earth. Come April fifteenth, all of you are going to be complaining. Oh, I'm going to be taxes. up there. No taxes. You're still complaining about the weather. Guess what? Up there, it's just right. Do I have to sell you on this? Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) The third thing I want you to notice is uh, that we're just getting started. It says, if my people who are called by my name, then he gives four conditions. He says, if you'll humble yourself, if you'll pray, if you'll seek my face, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sins. I will heal your land. That's what we need. The point here is that with every promise, there's a premise. With every promise, there's a premise. There are conditions, and there are conditions here. He says, I will do this after you do this. And these premises come before the promise. And so many times we want the promise before we do what, you know, we're supposed to do. It's kind of like, uh, you know, we tell your kids, if you clean up your room, then I will, you know, take you to get some ice cream. Oh, ice cream. No, you got to clean up your room first. No, I want ice cream. No, we got to do this first. And we are not unlike God in that, that, you know, have to fulfill the first part of it. So number one, here's the first condition for healing and restoration in the area of your life. Number one, I admit I'm not in control. I admit I am not in control. And what is that called? It's called humility. When you are not in control, it's called humility. It means that you have to follow. Saying that God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. The first condition of healing and restoration in my life, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Will humble themselves. Humility is the first step in healing. What he's saying here is I don't approach God arrogantly. I don't come to God proudly. I don't come to God flippantly. I don't call him this, that, or the other. I have great reverence for him, and I have great respect. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord, is the beginning of all knowledge. And we need that. And we need that. I don't make demands of God in prayer. God, you have to do this. God doesn't have to do anything. God is God, and I am not God. And we have to let God be God. So we have to humble ourselves in that. And did you know that in the Scriptures, it doesn't tell us to pray for humility? 
It doesn't tell us to pray for humility. As I was studying for this and, and I came across it, I thought, that's really interesting. Because humility is a choice. Humility is a choice. So we can say, you know, you know we need to be humble, yes, and, and I need to be a, a humble Christian, yes. But it's a choice that I make, whether I'm going to be that way or I'm going to be arrogant and proud. You say, okay, if this is the first condition for something to be restored in my life, something to be healed in my life, what is humility and what does it look like? How do I develop it? I'm going to just, I've got 12 points down here to show you what you, you should have on there. Number one, confess your sin to God the moment that you realize it. That's humility. That when it happens, just take care of it right there. Just take it. Don't wait until Friday when it's time to take out the garbage and say, okay, I got to bring my whole list of this week's garbage to God also and take it out to the curb. And no, when it happens, God wants us to ask forgiveness right away that we take those things to him and we just confess it right away. God, I'm sorry I'm wrong. Help me to be that humble person that you need me to be. And number two, humility is forgiving quickly. Humility is forgiving quickly. If you don't know how to forgive quickly, that's prideful. Don't carry grudges. Don't carry grudges. Don't carry grudges. I deal with people all the time that they carry grudges. One of the biggest things that I see that we do so many times as Christians, we don't forgive. We don't forget. And we need to give those things up. Don't carry grudges. Forgive quickly. Humility is forgiving quickly. Never hold a grudge. Humble people are forgiving quickly. Number three, when you're treated unfairly, be quiet and patient and don't retaliate. And don't retaliate. You are like most, you're like Christ, um, when you have accusations against you, whenever somebody says something against you, what do we want to do? We want to come out. We want to, you know, fight against them. What did Jesus do? When they hung him on a cross, he didn't fight against it. When they, you know, put a crown of thorns upon his head, he didn't fight against it. When they said all manner of things against him, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. It is hard because that's our nature is to fight back. Our nature is to, you know, come back at somebody. Jesus, he was perfect, and yet when he was maligned, he was misled. He was accused of all kinds of stuff. They put him on a, on a cross, the only true sinless person. The Bible says that when they stood him before the governor, Pilate, and the others, he spake not a word unto them. Can you do that? That's hard. We've all had things said about us, to us, ridiculed us, made fun of us, all kinds of things. But how do we deal with that? Are we humble in that? Can we just let it go? <clears throat> You're most like Christ when you absorb attacks, and that's humility. Number four, when you look for ways to serve others instead of expecting to be served, that's humility. That's humility. Is there ways that I can serve other people? Is there other ways that I can do for somebody else? Even though maybe I, you know, I, I don't have all that I want myself, is there something that I can do for somebody else? 
one of the greatest things I do, and I, I said, I go up to the hospital. I love going to the hospital uh, because these are people that are struggling, you know, at this time, at this time. And if I can bring a little light into the world, you know, go in and pray with them, you know, lots of times if it's a guy and he's having stomach problems, I said, we have checked for pregnancy, right? Come on. You might be the one. We can make a lot of money. Just brighten her day for a few minutes. If I see somebody walking in the door, do I hold it for them? You know, let them go first. There's so many things that we, you know, as a society, we don't, we've gotten to the place to where we used to help people all the time, leave our houses and, and those kinds of things open. And now we're like closed in. Don't know what that person has or does or, you know, we're afraid. We have to help others. We have to help others. Serve others instead of expecting to be served. Number five, when you don't, uh, when you don't fight to get the best seat, the best table, or the best parking spot. Now, I took a picture of the parking lot, and I saw where all of you parked tonight. A few of you I need to talk to. Just kidding. When I was in New Jersey, I had the... Uh, the house that I lived in uh, was right in the, in the parking lot of the church. It was the parsonage. And uh, the, the pastor had a rule that all the pastors had to park as far away as possible. So every Sunday morning, I had to go and get in my car, which was right there by the house, and drive it to the end of the parking lot and then walk back up. And after church was over, then I had to walk back down and then drive it across the parking lot and park it next to the house. You know, at first I'm like, this is kind of crazy. It's just one car. But I learned from that, I learned a lot from that pastor. And that was to serve others, to serve others. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a few people. I'll use a couple. Bob Squires, he's got the, the furthest most parking spot on Sunday morning that you can get over in the corner. So I park, I park right next to him because he gets here first. So. Try to get his spot, but he, he beats me. Let's go on. Um, intentionally being friends, befriending people who have no status or who can't help you, who are so many times overlooked by society. How do we treat these people? It's hard. It is hard. Sometimes those are the people that God puts in our, in our life in our life, that he wants us to do something, wants us to help them, to spend some time, to spend some time, you know, with them, to build relationships, build friendships with those people. Maybe they're unpopular people in your office, your school, whatever it happens to do, happens to be, and do you take time to be with them, to be with them? Yeah, we should. That's humility. You know, I wasn't the most popular kid in school. I wasn't the most disliked kid in school. Uh, but, you know, those kids, they, the kids in my, my high school, they lived on my street. They were picked on all the time. Their last names was Derryberry. Now, right there, you're going to get beat up once, you know. And they got beat up a lot. They didn't have, they really, they, they I don't know how it is that they lived uh, on our street. They didn't have socks lots of times. 
and they were they were twins and um, lots of times just torn up shoes and torn up clothes they just didn't have anything and I, I don't know I don't know that I ever did meet their parents lived on that street for about four or five years never did see their parents and then when they moved out it was a little bit of understanding they brought one of these big dumpsters up and they parked it right in front of the house to clean out the house and there were more beer cans in that dumpster than anything else and I tried to be friends with them as, you know, as much as I could and everything. Um, and come to find out, <laughs> today, one of them is a dentist. So I don't know what happened, how that happened, or anything else. And I'm not sure about the other one, but he's also done good for himself. These kids, who they got, they got beat up and got picked on all the time. And for me, they just they didn't come out of their house. We lived on the same... They could have come out and played football with us on the street and all those kinds of things. And um, they ended up moving to a worse part of Pittsburgh. Um, and, um, but God, God somehow, in his mercy. So let's go on. Uh, number seven, humility is being respectful to uh, those in authority in your life, even sometimes bad authority. So whether you like the president or not, we are to be respectful to him. So... And whoever we get as the next president, we should be respectful to them, you know. Uh, number eight, when you admit your weakness and your sins to a few safe people, to a few safe people. Now, this be very careful because the Bible tells us that we are confess our sins to one another. Yes. And it's not that you go around and confess your sins to everybody. No. But those that you know that are close to you, yes, confess your sins. This will bring humility into your life, that I humble myself. I used to have an accountability partner, and some of you know Joe Stone and I for a number of years. And besides my wife, that man knows more about me than anybody else. Besides my wife, he knows more about me. We talked about everything. We talked about everything. And there was times when I just had to confess things, and there was times when he confessed things to me. And we don't share those things, but yes, confess those to those that you feel safe with. You don't have to tell everybody, but revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. This is my sin. This is what I'm struggling with. This is where my temptation is. Whatever it happens to be. Humility is when you pick up the trash in your life, and you take it out. Humility is when you leave public restrooms uh, the way that you found them. And, oh, I'm sorry, I moved on to number nine. Humility is when you pick up trash whenever you find it. Humility is when you leave a, a public restroom cleaner than when you found it. It's called the little things, the stuff that nobody else will see. Yeah. Here, help me. Help me. If you see a piece of trash around this church, pick it up. This is your house, too. It's God's house, but it's your house, too. You know? And, uh, this, and so we need to, to take care of this house the best that we can and do those things that are right. If you, if you don't do that at home, do it here. Okay? Just do it here. Number 10, pray for your enemies. Ooh, now I'm treading, aren't I? That's hard for us to humble ourselves, but pray for your enemies because you, when you pray for them, you are humbling yourself. God, I, and pray the right way. I guess I should have put in there, God, just strike them dead. No, 
God, I, I prayed. They, you know what they're doing. You know how they've been treating me or whatever it happens to be. I pray that you bless them today. That's the way we're supposed to pray. Pray for your enemies. Not that God strike them down or put molasses in their hair or that they get leprosy or something like that. Then they got to go to the priest. Um, and lastly, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Do you get that? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is, is so many times we think about ourselves because we live within ourselves. And when you look in a mirror, what do you see? You see yourself and, and uh, we, we try and make the outside look good so we can go outside and, and all these different things. And, um, and we have to live within this. But really, as I've said it before, it's not about me. It's about God. And what, does, what do other people see? I'd rather that they not see Paul Rose, because I know he's not very good looking. But do they see God? And that's what I want people to see. And if they can see God, then I've accomplished what God wants me to, to, to do. So let's go on. Let's go on. Let me give you four things God will do in your life if you work on this. If I'm humble, God will guide me. God will guide me. You ever say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to, to, to do here. I don't know what steps I'm to take or whatever it happens to be. If you ask God, he will help you. I don't know whether I should take this job or take that job. I don't know if I'm supposed to move. I don't know who I'm supposed to marry. All these different things. God will help us. When you humble yourself, God will guide you. In Psalms chapter 25, verse 9, God leads the humble in the right way, and he teaches them his will. And what you have to do is submit under his will. You have to humble yourself for his will. Not my will be done, but God's will be done. And when I'm following after his will, then I have to humble myself, you know, for that. There's a second benefit. If I humble, if I'm humble, God will bless me. God will bless me. These promises are all through the scripture. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, I will bless those who have humbled, who have a humble and contrite heart. God doesn't bless the prideful. He blesses those who are humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the Beatitudes that we went through, those who are humble. I bless those who have humbled and contrite hearts. Number three, if I am humble, God will give me the power to change. And that's what we need. We need power to change. You know what that power is? It's one word. It's called grace, and God has given it unto us. But for the grace of God go I, because he changed me, and I'm not like that one. Grace is the power to change. You need grace to make changes in your life. There's stuff in your life that needs to be changed, that you're tired of, that you're tired of dealing with in your life. Ask God. Humble yourself, and the grace of God will come and help you with that. The only way you'll ever get changed is if you have the grace of God. And how do you get the grace of God in your life? Humble yourself. In James chapter 4, verse 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble, and we need that. God opposes the proud. Every time I'm prideful, 
I'm opposite of what God wants me to be. I'm the opposite. I'm on the other side. But every time I'm humble, God gives grace that I need. And what's that? It's the power to change. He says, I'll guide you, I'll bless you, I'll give you grace. Number four, if I'm humble, God will reduce my stress. How many need that in their life? Thank you, Jesus, less stress. When I'm humble, my stress goes down. Because then I'm not, you know, worried about this. You know, to be prideful and say, you know, hey, I'm the best looking guy in here, I got to work on that. And I know that's not true. I can just say, hey, I'm the ugliest guy, and don't have to work on that. (laughs) That's already natural. I'm being proud about my ugliness, aren't I? Yes. God gives us that ability, and he'll help us. When I am humble, my stress goes down. When I'm prideful, my stress goes up. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, it says, Take the yoke that I give you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble. And he says, I will restore deep rest for your soul. Wow. That's a scripture to hang on to. That is a scripture to write and put above your bed. Deep rest for your soul. Wouldn't you like to have that, that deep rest for your soul? So if I am humble, God will guide me. He'll bless me. God will give me the power to change, which is his grace. And he will reduce my stress. Do you want that? you want that? Number two, ask God for help. Ask God for help. If you need something in your life to be restored, to be healed, you need something in your life, God is the one that you need to go to. First, admit, I'm not in control. Humble yourself. I can't do it on my own. And second, I ask God for help. And how do you do that? If my people will pray. Prayer is communication with God. Second Chronicles, it says that if my people will humble themselves and pray and pray, I have to ask God for help. When I ask him for help, I'm humbling myself. Now, the truth is that many people need healing at some time or another in their life. They need to be touched. Do you ask? Do you go to him? Do you talk to him about it? God, I'm really dealing with this situation and I need some wisdom. How do I take care of this? How do I deal with this problem? How do I take care of this person in my life? Give me some wisdom. Give me direction. Yes, all of that. I need to pray and I need to ask him for that. In John chapter 16, Jesus says in verse 23 and 24, I tell you the truth, my Father will give you anything you ask. My Father will give you anything you ask in my name. Jesus says, you have not asked for anything in, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask. Over 20 times in the New Testament, we are commanded by God to ask in prayer. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Ask anything. Ask anything. So we need to go to him. This whole series is about talking with God and we need to talk with God. Here's the first thing when you do pray for healing. Remember that Jesus wants me to ask. He's already told us. I read you the scripture. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, will ask of God. There's the confidence, and I need confidence in that. If if you ask of God and you don't think he's going to do it, why are you asking of God? 
If I go to the bank and I say, I need, you know, $200, if I don't think that that bank has it, then why am I in that bank trying to get a little loan? I go into the bank, I figure they got millions of dollars. They can spare 200 to give to me so I can do whatever. I've got that confidence. The same thing with God. We need to have confidence when we go unto him. He says, ask anything, anything in his name. Now, be very careful. He's not saying ask everything. He's asked, ask anything. You just can't say, okay, God, I want everything. No, ask anything. There's a difference between those two words. Number two, ask in Jesus' name. It's in his name. It's not, don't, I don't, at the end of my prayers, I don't say, and in Paul's name, amen. No, it's in Jesus' name. The one who died on the cross for me. The one who died on the cross for you. The one who bore the stripes on his back for our healing. It's in his name. Jesus paid for everything that you need on the cross. Number three, get other people to pray with you. And here's where you tell other people, this is, you know, important, um, that you gather somebody else with you. Where two or three are gathered in my name and they agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. It shall be done. And we need that. That's Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. 19. Number four, believe and expect an answer. Believe and expect an answer. Ever pray to God and think, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I've heard people do this before. They pray, I don't know that God can answer that. Well, you don't, you don't believe in God then and what he really can do. Because, and here's the thing also, that there's three answers that are going to come from God. Yes, I will do that. No, I won't do that. Or maybe we need to look at that a little bit more. If I'm, if I'm not lining up with the will of God, then he can say no, or he might say, let's, let's work on that. But expect an answer. If you want to pray for healing for somebody and you don't believe that the God above can heal that person, then why are you praying? I believe that God can heal. I have seen people healed right in front of my eyes. I've been healed. I've prayed for myself. There was one time I was driving home. I really don't have time. I was driving home. I had this excruciating pain in the, in the roof of my mouth. And I had just gotten done painting a house. And so my, I, I was even carrying a paintbrush in my hand because I wanted to go home and clean it up instead of the place where I was painting. And so I got this paintbrush, and I'm about home. I'm a couple blocks from home, and this excruciating pain, I stopped at a stop, uh, stop sign, and I was like, I guess I just need to do what God asked me to do. So I stuck my finger that had paint on it in the top of the roof of my mouth, laid hands on myself, and I prayed. And I just a quick prayed, God, I pray that you just touch this uh, pain in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I opened my eyes. And it was gone. I prayed for my car to be healed, and it's been healed. Smoke was coming out. I laid hands on it. I said, God, touch this car in the name of Jesus. I believe that God can do those things. Pray and expect an answer. Number five, keep on praying till God tells you to stop. Till he tells you to stop. You know the story of the woman who kept coming unto the judge and pastor shared about that a couple of weeks ago. We need to keep on, keep on going unto him. Sometimes God does a restoration instantly. Sometimes it's within the next hour or next day. Sometimes it's in a year. But continue to pray. 
continue to pray, God, what is it? And, and I think so many times what happens when we do that, it's us falling under the will of God, lining up with the will of God that he has for us. So we're moving on. Bullet point number three, seek God, not, <clears throat> not a miracle. Seek God, not a miracle. If my people will humble themselves and pray, number three, and seek my face. It doesn't say seek a miracle. It doesn't say seek for a healing. It says seek God's face. I seek, I seek God's face, not a miracle. It's the miracle that we want, yes, but when I go unto him, he's the one that has the answer. It's okay to want healing, to want restoration, everything else, but are you seeking God's face? If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, we'll get the answer to that. Whether you get the healing right away, whether you get the restoration right away, I don't know, but just keep seeking him. Keep seeking him. He's the one that's got it. You know, I've known people who have prayed, and for me, and you know, most of you know my sister, uh, I've been a Christian for about 37 years, I think it is, and I've been praying for her for 37 years that she would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm not going to stop. I'm hoping one of these days that she becomes a Christian. I can continue to pray. My grandmother was 97 years old when she accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Whew. Took a long time, but right before she died, a couple months before she died, she accepted the Lord. Proverbs 8, 17, God says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. Keep seeking him. 11, uh, Hebrews eleven six. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. In Deuteronomy, the Bible says in chapter 4, if you seek the Lord your God and you will find him, if you look with him all, with all your heart, that's the key, with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all the things that have happened to you, you will return to the Lord your God and obey him, for he is a merciful God and he will not abandon or destroy you. Deuteronomy 4. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? All these things shall be added unto you. Not all the things that you want, but all the things that you need. All the things that you need in life. He didn't promise that he would be the sugar daddy and you get everything. Bullet point number four. Turn my attention from the world to the word. From the world to the word. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then he gives the fourth premise of this promise and turn from their wicked ways. What in the world does that mean? I will heal you, but you have to turn from your wicked ways. So let me help with the defining of this little part here. Wicked means just that. Um, and... and um, Wickedness is forgetting God. When I saw this definition, I really liked it. Wickedness is forgetting God. He says in the fourth premise that we need to put away our wicked ways. And we understand what the word wicked means. It's those things which are evil, bad, um, detestable. Those are wicked. And wickedness is forgetting God. Anytime I forget God, that's wickedness. Because you've made now fellowship with the world. 
with the world. He loves you. He wants you to love him back. And he knows you and he wants you to know him. In Isaiah chapter 17, verse 10, you have forgotten the God who saves you. And you have not remembered that God is your place of safety. We need to remember God. Now, about the word turn, which comes before that. Turn means to, basically means to repent, to turn away from. And repent, lots of times people will say, oh, I, I repent from that. So that means I just turn my back on it. Really, repent means to change your mind. That is the Greek definition of, re, of repent, and it means to change your mind. It means I change my mind that I'm not going to do that again. I stop. I stop. And I, do, I don't do it again. And we need to turn from those wicked ways. means to repent in our lives. When I repented, I turned from darkness to light. I've turned from uh, no purpose to purpose. I turned from hopelessness and despair to eternity. I've turned from bitterness to love. And it also means that when I turn that I go to that which is good. You know what sanctification is? It means I stay away from those things which are bad, and I go to those things which are good. That's what sanctification is. I, stay away, I try and stay away from those things which are bad, and I run unto those things which are good. And it's the same thing here. That's when I repent is I'm sanctifying. I turn from those things which are wicked, and we need to do that. I'm going to wrap up with a couple of scriptures here. In Acts chapter 13, verse uh, 13. Acts 3, 19, the Bible says, Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So that your sins may be wiped out. So that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. If you hide your sins, you will not succeed. But if you confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, con confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their evil ways, their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. It's really not rocket science. We just have to do what God wants us to do. If if the people will humble themselves, will you say, God, I want to admit I'm not in control. I've acted like it, but I'm not. So today I humble myself. I'm just going to kind of read this because I, I, as I went through this, please forgive me for just reading this. So today I humble myself and I'm asking you to guide me and to bless me, to give me the power to change, to relieve my stress and all, <clears throat> and all those things that come if I walk humbly before you. And you said, Lord, if my people will pray, I'm asking for help. Thank you for thinking of the idea of prayer. Thank you that I don't even have to worry about this. Is a, I don't have to worry ab about is a good prayer in my life. You just said, ask anything and you'll sort it out. I thank you that you don't put me down and saying that I have stupid prayers. You just want me to talk to you. Teach me to pray at all times, all kinds of prayer, asking all that I need, I already have, to always pray for all God's people. 
And Lord, I want to seek you. If my people will seek my face, forgive me for the times that I have sought your face. I just sought your blessing. You've said, you've said that those who seek you will find you. I want to find you. And in this year, <clears throat> I want to be closer to you than I ever have before. Help me to turn my attention away from the world and unto the word. And unto the word. So, I've said all of this. I've given you the conditions. And now he gives us on a couple of promises. And I just have a few minutes. Three promises. I will hear from heaven. I want to hear from heaven. I want to hear from heaven. One of the things I was sharing with somebody just yesterday, um, had lunch with somebody, and I said one of the things that I, I learned years ago was to hear the voice of God. And <clears throat> it, pray to hear the voice of God. It was going through rough time, though, that I did, you know, when I was down south after I'd finished Bible college and, and everything. In Bible college, I heard the voice of God. There was times I remember one, one day after chapel, I was, um, I crawled underneath the pew and I was just crying out to God. And I said, God, why did you take my grandfather away from me? You know, I, he died when I was 17. He was a minister. And I was like, I, I, I could learn more from him than I could from anybody else. And I'm just, um, for 45 minutes, just crying out to God. And then God finally spoke to me and he said, I want you to learn from me and not from man. Wiped my eyes, went over and ate lunch. Because God spoke to me. I don't, you know, you don't have to hit me over the head. He gave me the answer to that prayer, why, you know, why God took him away from me. And it wasn't just me. But I was like, I could go to where he was, and I could work in his church, and I could do all these different things. And to hear the voice of God, to hear the voice of God, that we understand that voice, and we can discern the voice of God and that of the devil. Because the devil wants to speak in your ear also. If you, we, a, a couple of years ago, uh, um, John Harper and I did uh, the Chatterbox, which was a great series about uh, breaking the Chatterbox and the, the, the voices that we hear. And, and if you want a great book to read about that, that's a great book, Breaking the Chatterbox. God is wanting to speak to each and every one of us, and are we willing to listen? Are we wanting to listen? God spoke to the seven churches of Revelation. And I would say, let them speak again. Let them speak again to the church. Number two, I will forgive their sins. If ever we needed to be forgiven, it's now. As an individual, as a nation, as a world, we are sinful people. We are sinful people. We are sinful people. We are spinning out of control in sin. And it's just, all you have to do is watch the news. And, and it's kind of like people invent new ways to sin. Every time, like, oh, my goodness, can it get any worse? And number three, I will heal their land. The church needs revival, and America needs a great awakening. The church needs to be revived, and America needs a great awakening. They would come. If you ever want to agree, read great stories, read about the, the revivals of the early age. Read about Jonathan Edwards and, and Charles Finney and some of these guys that it just spread. Read about the noon uh, time uh, prayer revival in New York City that started with one man and went to, to millions of people, went across the country. Read about Azusa Street and all that took place out there. And, you know, you want to talk about humble. Um, Charles Parnham, who was one of the leaders of that, 
when he would pray, he would put his head in a peach box. He was humbling himself. He, there was a, che- a peach box, and, and when he would pray, he'd put his head in there. I don't, I, it was just to humble him. And I, when I read that, I've read numerous stories about the revivals out there. When he prayed, that's what he did. We need to turn back to God in, in our country, and our, our own selves, and this world needs to be healed. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll heal their land, and I'll forgive their sin. Hopefully that's a, a, a scripture that you will take and that you will memorize. You'll write it down because it really talks to us today. It should talk to us today. We need to be healed. There's more and more sickness. I'm seeing more and more sickness all the time. And it's because of the way that we, all of us, are living. I'm not saying individually, though some of that does happen. There's more and more sickness, I think, today than I've seen in a long time. And we need to be touched and healed. I'm going to ask you to stand. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this scripture. Father, I pray that we have caught it tonight gone through it quickly and I pray that you would just help us to be people of prayer to be people of prayer in Jesus name I'm going to ask you to come around the front as pastor has done every Wednesday night God is good amen hopefully go and read that scripture over and over again it was a scripture that was given unto Solomon and uh, 3,000 years ago, if my people, which called on my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their land, forgive their sins. Tonight, as you're coming down, I want to pray for healing. And if you need just a touch in body, if you need, uh, I'm sorry, if you need a healing, I shouldn't have classified it. If you need to touch a body, if you need something, whatever it happens to be, you need to be healed. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right where you're at so that we can pray for you. And those that, are, those that are gathered around these, let's lay hands on them. Let's lay hands. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in your name is touching any one thing. And let's pray for healing tonight. Let's pray for healing tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Heavenly Father, you see these tonight who have raised their hand. And Father, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know if it's a pain in their body. We don't know if it's something that they're struggling in their mind. But they need touch. They need healed tonight. Father, we believe. We believe. We have faith that you can touch them tonight. And, Father, that right now in the name of Jesus, no other name can we ask it, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would heal them right now. Father, that you'd heal them right now. Father, that you would speak to them right now. Father, that you would minister in your special way right now. Father, that you would just allow them to feel your touch, feel your Holy Spirit ministering to them right now. 
Father, we lift them up. They're our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Father, when one struggles, we all struggle. And Father, they're struggling right now. I pray that you would just restore and heal them right now. Father, there's no other name that we can ask it. There's no other one that we can ask but you. You have created them. Father, you know what's going on. Your word says you know the need before we even ask. And I pray right now that you would just allow them to be ministered to in a special way. In a special way. And Father and I pray that you would touch each and every one here tonight. I thank you that they're here. They want to learn. They want to grow. They want to seek your face. Father, they want to pray. They want to be the church. Father, help us to be the church. And I pray revival into your church. Father, I pray an awakening in America and around the world. Father, so, so much we have let the devil rule and it's time for us to take back, Father, what he has stolen from the church. Father, I pray that you would just help us to rise up. Let us not shy away. Let us say, I am a Christian, and whatever it costs me, I'm still a Christian. I am Christ's child, born again, set free. And Father, I pray that we would be bold in that. Wherever we go, when we see somebody doing something that they shouldn't, that we stand up. When we hear them say something that is against your word, that we stand up. Father, give us that boldness. It comes from your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would just help us to be people of prayer. Father, help us to be people of prayer. To seek your face. Father, help us to know you to know you. And I pray that we can hear, Father, great testimonies, great testimonies of what you have done because we have prayed. We have prayed and we have sought your face. I pray a blessing over them as they go. Father, let them go in faith. Let them go in love. Let them go in power. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming tonight.